Welcome to The Athletic MBA Show, Monday through Friday, on The Athletic Podcast Network. Coming up on today's show, we talk about the challenges of adding James Harden to your basketball team, organizational alignment, and why continuity matters more this season than ever before. This is Nerdish You Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo Dekeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Partnow. Another week, another Nerder She Wrote here on the Athletic NBA Show. I'm Dave, Mo and Seth also here. I'm looking right at them on our Zoom chat. Fellas, uh, we are quickly approaching regular season basketball. We've got preseason games starting Friday night. We're recording this on Thursday. Friday night, we've got preseason games. Um, you guys ready? Yes. No. <laughs> we did not plan that. That was perfect. <laughs> I am ready. Let's go. Uh so this is this has been like a whirlwind. Honestly, like the, even before the offseason was kind of a whirlwind, right? Like the bubble, it just felt like it was nonstop. Um, so yeah, we're we're scrambling, trying to get everything together. And uh, James Harden will not stay out of the news. He he's finally reported to Houston, but it just seems like that situation is destined to end with him on another team. I mean, that's just how it works. If a superstar wants out, they get out. So we we were told there are a few more options for him, one of them being the Miami Heat as as a possible team that he would like to go play for, which, you know, wouldn't we all? Uh, but Seth, it got your brain moving a little bit, thinking about how a team like Miami has to change to accommodate a guy like James Harden. Yeah, I think this is one of the area where you know, straight ranking players doesn't always make sense because, okay, James Harden's a fourth best player, sixth best, whatever best player in the world. So yes, we add him, but he's such a, a specific player that for a team like Miami that, that plays a very egalitarian style, it's not just what adding him would do. It's how does it change everybody else? Um, you know, assuming you trade for him and Duncan Robinson wouldn't be in the trade, how does one of the great movement shooters in the league how does that function alongside a guy who, at least by preference, wants to you know caress the ball and have people stand and watch him? Him I mean, caressing the Mo. ball is kind of a funny <laughs> image. That I'm just I'm just thinking of him just kind of holding the ball and. <laughs> Sorry, that got me going. I mean, so Mo, I mean, they would have to fundamentally. They would have to fundamentally change their offense. I think this is the problem with trading for James Harden, pretty much in any scenario. You know, like that's the thing I've always sort of said about him. It's when you trade for him, you have to change everything about your team to cater for him. You know, offensively, you have to set up a plan to maximize his effort. You know, we all like like Seth said, he's he's a top five NBA player, but it's, you know, in the wrong system. He's probably not a top five NBA player. And, and in a situation where he's not working so much off the ball and things like that it's it's hard and it's hard to envision that because for like eight years i don't know how long he's been in houston but it's been non-stop you know just a ball constantly in his hands and i just don't see any situation you know minus philly who i don't think's gonna trade for him despite all the moray stuff and things like that but the only situation there that you know you can just plug him in and they have shooters and stuff like that i don't know how well it would work with him and Embiid, but that's the closest thing to it. And that's, I think the problem with Harden. And and I think I said this last week, he's got to show he can play a different way. 
you know, for other teams to be interested. We've seen the thing where Golden State called to check about him or, or whatnot. And, and Miami runs kind of a similar offense to Golden State in a lot of movement and stuff like that. You know, it's the same thing. Like, can he go there and fit in their culture? It's just a hard thing to see. And for me, when I'm looking at all these things with Harden, I'm just like, man, his best bet is just play it out this year and and show that he can play something other than isolation ball. I think it's a it's a similar problem you would run into with any player that that is as heliocentric as he is offensively. I think I mean LeBron goes to a team it, you're playing LeBron James offensive basketball. Now maybe Luka's not there yet and, and with Giannis certainly there are different ways of using using him besides just putting the ball in his hands. Uh Trey Young uh, we'll we'll see this year if he can change a little bit get off the ball. But this is not like a unique problem. And so I don't want to make it seem like we're harping on James Harden and the way he plays. But the truth of the matter is, if you want to win, you've got to be able to play more than one way. I think that's kind of been Houston's Achilles this entire time. Yeah, I mean, this has been their problem. This has been Milwaukee's problem, playing it one style, Milwaukee's right? Problem. And like not not being able to change ways to to play. And I think this is, the NBA is going into like, a situation where you got to be good at everything. You don't have to be great. You get great at just one thing and you can live off that. This isn't uh baseball where we're just going to have dominating pitching and we're going to beat you one, nothing every game. It's not, it doesn't work that way in basketball. Like you got to have, be able to do a couple of different things. And even when LeBron joins the team, you know, now he, you know, with his wingman, he, he has a guy he can post up. He has a guy he can, he does it in different ways. He moves around on the court. Like for Harden, it's just, two ways and you're saying we're not harping on him i'm kind of harping on him i just think that's i just think it's a the way he plays has got to change and it's and it's for for it to adjust and to moving forward it's we he's tried his way so many years and the closest they got was to a conference finals you know game seven and i thought i had to do more with chris paul i think that it's it's and it's not a question of ability his skill set should work great in a in a more ball sharing role. I mean, he, he's a great shooter. Um, I think you could do some really interesting stuff off of him with movement. Um, you know, I I wouldn't expect at any point, especially because he's you know older, but I wouldn't expect him to you know run our off the screens and do all the movement that Devin Booker does. But some of the stuff that Phoenix does with Devin Booker, like running him into the post and stuff like that, you think that that James Harden wouldn't be a load on a quick post up. So he, these are things he can do. It's just as Mo is saying, it's it's the willingness, and you know, you're if if you're a team that's trying to acquire him, you're kind of taking that gamble because you know, man says thing, yeah, sure, I'll fit in, Coach Spo. But you know, once you once you bought the car, uh, you can't take it back. I, I actually think I, I think he'd fit in better with the Warriors, more seamlessly with the Warriors than he would with Miami because. We already know Steve Kerr doesn't want Steph Curry to ever dribble the basketball. So you'd have a natural pick and roll partner because he would just you'd have Steph Curry setting setting high screen and roll for James Harden, but the truth of the matter is that combination would work pretty well. But the Miami fit is just it's going to be weird if it happens. Yeah, no, for me the the just the funny thing about, you know, James has added James Harden has added two people two teams to his list. That's his list. Right, right. <laughs> I've added a lot of people to my list for people I want to date, but like, <laughs> but that's my list. That doesn't mean it's coming to fruition. I'm, listen, I'm shocked that Orlando is not on that list. 
Well, I mean, I just no. think no, but like that's the funny thing is like I think those are the places that he should he'd probably be the best place to go to, you know, and in, in, in that scenario. But it's also hard to trade for him too when you know, listen, in two years he's a free agent, you know, and if he's unhappy, he's gone. Yeah, I, well, and so that is the big the big hang up here. Will we see a situation like Toronto where they they took a gamble on Kawhi Leonard? But it happened to work out for them because they were able to move the DeMar DeRozan contract. So they got off the long-term money. You you lose Kawhi after a year, but you didn't lose a ton to get him. You, you know, and you won a title. Great gamble. Is there any team that we're not thinking of that's poised to do that with James Harden where you could get a more seamless fit than the than the names on the list? I mean, Brooklyn, I don't even know what that team is going to look like. So Harden could go there and and completely dominate the offense and nobody would care and it'd be fine. I think that's unlikely, but I have no clue what that offense looks like. I know what Miami looks like. I know how Harden plays. I don't see the fit there. Is there a team I'm not thinking of that is a James Harden away from being able to compete for a title that might just say, you know what? We may lose you. You may, you may be asking for a trade the second you get here and maybe we'll have to move you in the summer just to keep, you know, keep you from tearing down the house. But is there a team that could just say, we'll take the risk. Let's go for it. I think it's, it, I'm glad you brought up kind of the, the two way factor of how that, that trade worked for Toronto. And I think like, especially for Miami and, you know, we're, I, we're, we've probably already talked too much about a trade that just won't happen because Houston asks, asks, asks for BAM and Miami says no and hangs up the phone and, right. and those, those talks are done. But uh, it, it's the exact opposite with, with Miami rather than it, you know, okay, if he leave, if, if something happens, uh, they've opened up, you know, opportunities the, the next year like Toronto did. This would be foreclosing opportunities that that, that Miami has worked very hard to, um, you know, structure their team in such a way that they're good now. And also they have opportunities to continue to add top end talent next summer, um, you know, players who shall not be named right now. Um, so that's, I think, a key difference for, for them. And then um, in terms of who else would be a, a, a Harden away, I don't know. Plenty, of, plenty of teams that are pretty good, like the Denver Nuggets. If they add James Harden, they likely get better. But that, uh, but then again, like, how does he fit in that system playing with Jokic? Now you're taking the ball out of Jokic's hands, who like him as a playmaker is is kind of the engine for that team, right? Like that's what makes the the whole difference for the team. And again. He's not a type of guy that really cuts, doesn't move well off, doesn't move much off the ball. I shouldn't say move well because we've never really seen it. But the, <laughs> the 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 idea of it, it's like, look, you know, like I get the plan in Houston. When he went off ball and would give the ball to Russ, he would go stand at half court, you know. And, and, and again, it would just kind of force a four on four because nobody would leave Harden. But I don't see that working in Denver. I don't see that fitting in, in, in scenarios. And it's like he's such a special and unique fit. It's hard to find a place where it's like, I can't see a team that trades for him and I go like, yep, they've just won the championship. By that logic, should he have less trade value than we all feel like he does in reality? I mean, should I'm, Houston, should Houston lower its, its expectation of, of assets? It's hard because now it goes back to Seth's hate for rankings. You know, like you saw what, how much Drew Holiday went for. 
you know, right? and, and, but Drew Holiday is a much easier player to integrate. Yeah, into yeah, any exactly. Team. But talent wise, right, you're looking at right. it a little bit going like, okay, Drew Holiday, Drew Holiday set the market for types of players like Drew Holiday. This player is better, right? In mm-hmm. in theory, skill wise, whatnot. But it's like, okay, so he should go for more, you know. But like that was an overpay a little bit. You know, Certainly. for for, for holiday, but, and, and that's part of the, that, the tough part situation. of that is because because holiday is is so universally applicable that there are six teams trying to trade for Drew Holiday. Yeah, no, like I, I, I'm okay with. I like the move yeah. that Milwaukee made. Yeah. I'm I'm all for it. I'm just saying what it did is it kind of screwed up the trade market yeah. for Harden in that sense. You know, the ripple effects of what a trade does. You know, I mean, how some of the, some of that is 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 his age and, and how much money he makes. Also, Absolutely. It just, it, mechanically, because okay, you're trading for you know the last couple of years of his prime and have to ship out you know thirty five million dollars in salary. That that like a team that has that salary and other assets to move and is a, a next two years window and 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 it's just like you, you're 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 shooting at a smaller target. So that does make him. Just from a, a possible suitor standpoint, even aside from his list, it does just make it a, like a, a harder thing to do. And likely making a some sort of uh, uh, verbal agreement for an extension, right? Like, let's not forget that. That, that, if it's that a would team, never happen. No, I mean, you know, uh, yeah. that that would be circumvention. It took us <laughs> took us to 1201. We just – we both said a number. <laughs> it was the same number. It's amazing. And we texted at the same time and it, it's it was, amazing it how these amazing. things work out. Well, okay, so it's like one, two, shoot. <laughs> so this is a, a perfect time to get to our next topic. I mean, I think that organizational alignment is something that has been a theme on this show since we've been doing it together. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. This is a situation where you need top to bottom alignment. Everyone has to be on the same page if you're going to trade for a James Harden. And it just feels like that is – it's increasingly rare in the NBA that you have everyone pulling one rope. The, the, the prime examples we know of, right, Golden State, San Antonio, I mean everyone's on the same page and that's why they've had su- sustained success. But what about a team like the Knicks? Like, should they be throwing their name in, in the hat for, for James Harden here? Or do you not trust the organizational alignment there? No, no, dude, dude, no. I mean, no, it's a, listen, it's a new trade. regime, new coach. Don't, don't. So, don't so maybe do we shouldn't judge them. But <laughs> I, I'd be very nervous about that. No, 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 no. This, this is, this is, this is just not a situation I think the Knicks should just be willing to jump into in terms of let's go trade for James Harden. Um, I am, no, I am very, what against are you trading for him? 
I, the, no, the Knicks just need to suck. The Knicks, and, and they do a great job of it, but they always suck when they're trying to be good. They need to try to suck and continue to suck. Like, plain and simple, This their plan, honestly, they should be looking at it like, look at what happened to the Lakers, right? Couldn't get free agent meetings, whatnot, all this stuff. Let's have a couple of years where we get – high draft picks. Let's do a good job in the draft and draft the right guys. Let's work on development. And then at, you know, as soon as it looks like we have something, we'll be able to start kind of bringing in free agents here. We'll, we'll, we'll become the draw that we used to be. And that's just a, the mistake is trying to skip steps. And I think right. we see this with a lot of teams and that's something where I'm like, the Knicks just, just need to embrace who they are right now. I think we had this exact conversation when like the coaching search was going on and we're like, don't hire Tibbs. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm there. I'm not happy that Tibbs is there, but yeah. here's, here's there. I'm of two minds with Tibbs. Okay. Cause obviously the, I mean, he's a very good basketball coach, right? I mean, he, he's got a lot of, of knowledge that, that other coaches don't have. We know like he completely changed defense in the NBA for a good long time. Hopefully his time away from the NBA has, has helped him um, adapt his defense a little bit to be, you know, set for modern offenses, but he loves to play veterans. And we just said the Knicks really need to kind of not stink. They need to, they need to play hard. Uh, And if they're bad, great. (laughs) Cause they need more assets, but, but the, the goal for them should be development. And whether that's developing players to be good players for the Knicks or developing players to be assets to get good players on the Knicks. Like Obi Toppin comes to mind. I, I think Obi Toppin needs to be not not handed the starter job because you never want to do that in, in professional sports. But he certainly should get a head start on that, Mo. Um, he needs to play big minutes, I think, early so that he can get a feel for the speed of the NBA. And again, you're you're trying to build up your asset base, and part of doing that is by playing guys like Obi Toppin. Yeah, it's it, to me, it's not so much whether he starts. It's it's like you said, him him getting big minutes and and getting those opportunities. It's a, this season for the Knicks should be an exploration project. You know, they should be exploring what do we have in Frank Niakila? What do we have in R.J. Barrett? Who do we have? What's what is Mitchell Robinson in our system? And like, it should just literally be, we need to figure out who these young guys are. What is Obi Toppin, you know, and all of that. And how will they fit down the road as we plan forward with this team? And I think that's ultimately the thing. And that was why we all kind of weren't happy with the Tibbs hiring. If I could put words in everybody's mouths here, you know, I think we all just kind of thought like, this just, he's a win now coach and this is a development job. And this will be a test for Tibbs to see, can he handle being a development coach? I, I also like, you know, the, there's another aspect of what you're talking about, which I think is especially with a player like Mitchell Robinson, who is who is going into his third year uh, and will be extension eligible soon. A player like R.J. Barrett, who you have to start making decisions on soon. Uh, the evaluation is as is is as important as the development because okay, the best thing that happens, you draft a guy, he turns out to be great. The second best thing that happens is you is you find out the guy isn't any good, so you can move on. The worst thing that can happen is a guy's kind of stuck in the middle, and it's like, oh, he was hurt. He showed some promise. I can't lose him for nothing. Let's sign him to an extension. Like that, that getting stuck in the middle there with not really knowing. Like that can work out, but how many times do we see a team, well, I guess we got to extend it because we draft a guy. 
uh, and it ends up being a guy who's getting paid $12 million a year to be an eighth man. Well, and Mitchell Robinson is is actually such a funny situation because he's one of your pet peeves. He's a second round guy that you fall in love with. And and it seems like teams tend to make bad decisions on those guys more often than not. Do you guys feel like it's, it's an advantage that they that this front office didn't actually draft Mitchell Robinson? Absolutely. Like they have no they have no reputational capital built up. And yeah, we found that guy. Right. So they can they can, you know, go at it cleanly. But they still need to again, there still needs to be a situation on the floor where they can see him play in a kind of a real NBA setting. And by the way, I thought that the Knicks actually had a reasonably sensible offseason. Getting mm-hmm. guys like Austin Rivers and Alec Burks, they're not all stars or anything like that, but they're competent NBA perimeter players who can allow RJ Barrett, who can allow Mitchell Robinson to play more modern NBA basketball than whatever it is the 19 power forwards they had last year allowed, you know, RJ Barrett to do. Uh, listen, Anilakina, Barrett, Toppin, Mitchell Robinson, and then Austin Rivers or Alec Burks, whoever you want to throw in there. That's an interesting starting five if I'm a Knicks fan, right? Like I, I at least have a reason to tune in and watch. And Mitchell Robinson and Obi Toppin theoretically could complement each other. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. I know I'm looking outside right now. Sun's out. Birds are chirping. It's time to start getting outside. Uh, I know that I like to get outside and play basketball with my kids. And honestly, I need to get into a fitness routine in order to keep up with these guys. And Peloton is there for me. Peloton's varying class links were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout, whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. Peloton's classes were made to challenge you. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you're already excelling in. Peloton's program and instruction push you to be your best. Their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run indoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. It's it's not good, but it's no, it, it's fun. It, it, but it make but it's fun and it makes sense as a basketball lineup. Exactly. So okay, and now you imagine someone better in the Frank Nilakina spot, and the guy's doing the same thing. Well, that's not possible. Like. But well, obviously, yeah. But no, but, but RJ, the, but, you get to see yeah. RJ as a playmaker with another okay playmaker on the court at the same time. You get to see Mitchell Robinson being able to operate as a role man, but also his his defense should help Obi Toppin. You know, maybe Obi Toppin starts to space the floor a little bit because you've got some decent rebounding out there. Like there's there's just there are things that they can do, but it takes that that full organizational alignment all looking toward the future versus each game. Mo, our biggest concern when we were talking about this topic, we kept saying Todd Gibson, Todd Gibson. Is Todd Gibson going to get signed by the Knicks? Maybe to coach. I don't think he's I think it's I think it's kind of over and, and, and done in that that run for them especially with the new front office and things like that if it hasn't happened by now i highly doubt it will and you know maybe 
maybe they run Julius Randle out there early trying to hope they can find a way to showcase him and get a get a trade for him. I, I don't imagine you'd get much, but like they're some whatever. You know, just kind of those opportunities. And I think there's Seth is right. They had a very sensible offseason. You're right, Dave, in that they're building a, a lineup that at least allows you to evaluate the team, you know, in in a sense of like this is normal basketball now. Now we have a lineup that makes sense and let's let's go forward from there. So I think it's a it's it's interesting in that sense. But you know, for the Knicks, like my, my biggest concern is they are just gonna blow it up in, in, in February and get tired of of losing and whatnot and this and then they trade for for Harden. I thought it was going to be Russ in the beginning of the summer. Or uh, so did I. Well, you know, I, I think that this is a good point because we've we've come to expect the Knicks to just screw things up. And when they just, I mean, I'd actually say they they were successful because of how conservative their moves were. You could tell that they were putting thought into the moves versus making a splash. And I think that that's important. Uh, an, another team that comes to mind when I'm thinking of organizational alignment. And, and it's only this year that we're actually seeing it. I, I think that since the process started up until Daryl Morey was hired was one thing. And it's very obvious that Daryl came into Philadelphia with a plan and worked with the existing front office to execute the plan. Now they've got what seems like a team that makes sense. This is what I've been screaming for, for I don't know how many, I mean, since they, they lost JJ, you know, and, and started just putting this, this, this whole roster together of, oh, similar to the Knicks, we're going to load it up with front court players, you know, and no ball handling and things like that and no shooting. Like they have now built a roster that makes sense. They may have given away the better players in some of these trades, but they got back better fits. And I think for them, that ultimately, I think will make a, a difference for them in terms of what they look like this season versus what they look like in the past. We remember what the team looked like when it was JJ Simmons and, and Embiid, and they were just kind of crushing teams with, with the net rating and things like that. Like they just looked really good. As soon as they got rid of the shooting, it's like, Oh, well that that's a problem in the league. And I think they're a team that they do finally make sense. And this is, this is a good place is a good starting point for them. How rare is it that a, that a new GM comes in, with with what feels like a very clear vision. I guess it's easy because they were already so close to fully formed. It's an easier job than maybe taking over the Knicks where you've got this, you know, the island of misfit toys to a certain degree. I mean, but Seth, I can't think of anybody who who's, you know, any team that in one offseason and especially such a small one was able to fix so many of its problems in, in I mean, it was like a two week window. Well, I think that's, you know, for as much as we bagged on the the fit of the pieces with, with Philly had last year, I mean, that is a benefit to just assembling a lot of talent is you can you can sort of, uh, you know, maneuver your way out. And, you know, there's nobody better at maneuvering from a personnel standpoint than Daryl. You can maneuver your way out of out of kind of that 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 maze with a little bit. I mean, you know, the. The, I think the the Josh Richardson for Seth Curry trade was probably my favorite move of the offseason just because it made so much sense both ways. Both ways, yeah. Um, just, um, you know, uh, the epitome of a, of a win-win trade, which, um, you know, I, I we, we spent a lot of time talking about who won, who lost a trade. Like sometimes trades just create more value overall and that one did. Um, so – but to answer your question, I can't really think of one because, you know, usually GMs don't come into teams with – that kind of 
of of talent already on 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 offer because usually when GM comes aboard, when they, <laughs> something's, something's gone Knicks. wrong. Usually, usually when you're hiring a new GM, you look like the Knicks. You have no plan. Yeah. You have no what? design. You know, and this was a clear, obvious problem. Right? Was the lack of shooting and and, and like this was. It was easy. We all knew it from the outside. So, you know, obviously none of us can maneuver the way Daryl can. And obviously when he came in, you like know, he you're knew being too thing. modest, Mo. Some of us knew it better than others. Some of us picked Philly to make the finals last year. I don't know who did that. The only oh, thing I remember it. from yeah. last season is Dave had Orlando as top four. No, no, that's, oh, no, yeah, the, that that's not the only thing I remember. I think Dave had Orlando and Golden State in the finals last year. Hey, well, Listen, he definitely had Golden State in the, in the finals. He definitely had Golden State in the finals. I remember Listen. that. Yes, yes, you're right. I'm, actually, I didn't remember that. I'm glad you brought that up. I will not forget <laughs> it from now. I'm going to make a note here on my and, computer. And Mo, Mo had Orlando as the three seed. I don't which, think that you know, ever happened. A lot of that was because of all the continuity in Orlando, <laughs> which takes me to our next topic. And – with this shortened training camp, the shortened off season, uh, how much time teams have had off? I mean, we've got team, some teams that have had nine months off. I think Portland is in a really great spot, uh, which we'll get to in a minute. But continuity, Mo, um, look, you were, you were a coach. You were in the video room. Like it was your job to make sure that the, that the team that you worked for was ready for the season. How much harder is that job this year when you've got like a, 10 day training camp for some teams. I mean, it it just seems like an impossible task for these teams that have all these new parts. It's not even that just the fact it's a short in training camp. It's a short in off season. Like you haven't even had the, the time to sit down and think about how your pieces kind of fit. Like if you're in August, it's, you know, normal off season and you, your team's kind of set by August, mid August for the most part. And you have that kind of like, as a coaching staff, you start working on it. You know, start working on what plays work. What what are we going to run offensively? What can we do defensively? What do you think of these types? This is the rotation I'm thinking just offhand. What do you think and and whatnot? Now you've had such a short window from when these guys have signed to when they're kind of coming into training camp, and, and and then even a shorter training camp. It's 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 extremely difficult. It's it's I imagine something that's going to be exhausting and this is why we talk about continuity the teams like the utah jazz who you know they're what their biggest move was Derek favors coming off you know a guy that's going to come off their bench and who's and also, bringing him back yeah it was also yeah. in their system you know not too long ago like it all kind of works out like you would expect them to have a little bit of a a quicker ramp up than a team like the phoenix suns who you know whole new team almost you know and 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 a whole bunch of pieces you got to figure out and and Denver who lost a couple key pieces have to figure out how they're going to recoup and you just don't have that time now that 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 instance to really kind of think things out and I think there's going to just be a lot of this going on the fly well the continuity thing is, is part of why I'm so high on Utah and Portland for the regular season that's one part of it the other part is I feel like they had the perfect uh, amount of time off then they get to do their training camp in the bubble. They got all those bubble games, and then they got another block of rest that's pretty big. So it's not like the Lakers who are turning it around in two months. You know, they they had a little bit longer. I think that that is going to benefit them in the regular season. Throw it out the window when we get to the playoffs. But I think for the regular season, those teams are going to be able to push and kind of bank wins, especially early on, in a way that a lot of teams won't. I, I like that you said banked wins because I think that the, that there's going to be a lot of an, an advantage that that these teams with continuity are going to have is 
Um, you know, with these shortened training camp, what what's the first thing you work on? Like to use a hockey analogy, you're working mostly on like five on five play, right? Mm-hmm. You're working mostly on your your even strength game. You're not doing a lot of special situations. You're not working on, you know, again, to stay with hockey, you're not working on your power play and penalty kill as much. So, you know, what Mo said, you have your team in August, you've got three months to think about, okay, end of game against this kind of team, what do we want to do? And you do all that sort of thinking. So you've already made those decisions on so many of those those special situations where where one or two decisions, one or two plays really swings a game. You've, you've had so much more time to get those right, whereas now you're going to be winging it. And there's just so much that, that gets thrown at you in the moment that if you haven't you know prepped for it, it's hard to have those things come off well. And that's – I think that's a question I want to ask you, Mo, is – you know, that's that's something you spent a fair amount of time on in training camp, right? Is like putting in like a press breaker, putting in a, uh, you know, a, a get the ball in with two seconds left play, get the ball in with or, or, or stuff like that. Blocks of time throughout training camp of we and that's just gone. That's it's just hard to do, you know, or or, or you know, it's something you're just gonna have to do on the fly. But it's like literally time after time of like, okay. If we're down two, these are the plays we want to run. This is the package for JJ Redick, or this is what we want Chris Paul to run, or you know how we're going to get the ball to Blake. Like, and and it's not just showing it; it's drilling it over and over again, so guys know what it is and whatnot. Or we need a three, or full court, or or just all the situational stuff that goes into it. Besides just your regular offensive playbook, all of that is kind of put in. Now, the one thing too I'll say is that it's also kind of something you drip feed throughout the season. You know, because especially if you're a team that's going to wants to contend or or is expected to make the playoffs, you know, you, and, and even now you probably don't want to overload your guys with the shortened time frame. You know, it's something you're just going to kind of it's like a coffee drip now. It's just going to be slowly kind of dropping th- some things in. And right now you'll put a few things in situationally getting ready. And then throughout preseason, you'll start doing stuff. You'll walk through plays at, at shoot around and whatnot as you as you continue to build that whole thing. But just everything's shorter in that time span in this shortened thing you just things are going to get cut and less time is going to be given to certain things and again that's where the continuity will kick in again I, i'm, I'm it's, it's the word of the day folks it's like if we had sesame <laughs> street you would see the thing and the little confetti would fly um but it's the it's the it's the deal there and i think that's something that a lot of these teams look the lakers added a new bunch of new pieces that they got to incorporate and and get fit in and, and, and understand. And it also helps coaches kind of figure out rotations. So all of this is going to be a, a lot of these teams will be work in progresses for the first month. Let me let me ask you something about that kind of like, you know, drip feeding it through the season. Um, is that something you'd you'd almost have a a lesson plan? Okay, in in December we're gonna work on we're gonna put this in. In March we're gonna or is it just is it more organic as to things you need to you need or you know what I'm asking? No, I know what you mean. If, I know what you mean. Yeah. It's not I I don't think I've never been on a coaching staff that kind of planned it out throughout the year. Now we knew we wanted to get to these plays okay. at a certain point. Okay. Now whether we it, it, but it's an organic thing of like, okay, they're but ready. It's a menu. Yeah, you, you you have that. I mean, like, listen, here's the thing, and, and this might get me in trouble with Pop, but like, yo, Pop has a, a, a separate desk that is all index cards. This is when I was in San Antonio. Maybe it's changed or whatnot, and, and, and who knows? I might get – my internet might get cut out here in the in a second because of Pop, you know, hearing this. But like it's index cards with plays, and it's sorted by what, you know – 
This is the Patty Mills package. This was the Manu package, whatever, like all the guys and, and things like that. And when he wanted to go to it and things. And a lot of that is, you know, Pop would say, OK, like we're ready today to take this one, you know, and we're ready to pull this card today and things like that. And you just kind of got to build through the process. But it's the one thing, Seth, and, th- and this is the with this shortened thing, I'm almost I'd be afraid if I'm a coach of overload. You know, there is no breathing space right now. You know, I mean, we're going into preseason games are starting tonight by the time people are listening to this. And it's, you know, it's 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 a constant flow right now. So it's it's a matter of just not giving the guys too much because then you have guys mixing up plays. And so th- this is the challenge for all these teams that got new coaches implementing new systems. I mean, who knows what the Rockets offense is going to look like if they keep James Hart. I'm assuming it's going to look exactly like last year. I think it's going to certainly be it's going to carry over. I think it's different. I think the whole point of Steven Silas coming in was to change it up, was to change the the. But how do you change? All right, so how do you do this though? Like you actually need to be able to 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 implement something. James Harden. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna play preseason games this weekend without him. So we're gonna get a look at at, at least the the early stuff, the base of that offense. Uh, and with John Wall, I expect you know a lot of corner threes. Uh, but when you add James Harden to the mix. He's just going to go back to doing the stuff that he does and everyone else is going to have to adjust to him. Like the continuity there is James Harden. But that's something that needs to be broken. That's the thing. That continuity, well, of course, that, yeah, that, good that chain, they need a break. You know what I mean? Like that dependency, I think is Seth's it's the NBA giving, though. Seth's giving me on. a look on the, on the, on the zoom right now. <laughs> but like the, that, that dependency is what needs to change for the Rockets. Again, like, listen, assuming John Wall's healthy and relatively back to normal, the the only way you maximize him is if you play him in a different, in, in a system where he gets touches and gets to move mm-hmm. and they add more movement and everything we've read from Kelly Eco, who's our beat writer for the Rockets, you know, is talking about like the ball is moving in, in, in practice. This is something that no question. Antonio James tried. Harden's not in practice. So yeah, yes, like, I'm I, not surprised that the ball is moving. But like but I'm that, just thinking that almost the reality on it, the ground, almost him watching it might help him see that like, oh, we can do things a little bit different. He got beat by the Golden State Warriors. How many years in the playoffs? He got beat by the, the Spurs. I mean, like he has seen like he's seen what team basketball has done for other teams. And it and it has yet to uh, change the way that he does things in Houston. So I just don't expect I think it would be silly to a certain degree, to expect James Harden in Houston to play any differently. We've talked so much more about James Harden than I thought we were going to. I know. Just well, everything, coming into this week, everything comes back to it, Seth. Yeah. <laughs> coming into this week, we all said, oh, I just don't want to talk about James Harden. And unfortunately, like, here we are. But, you know, this is how it is. Uh, as we wrap up, the way we do every week, uh, Mo, what are you looking forward to in the next week? What, what are you paying attention to? Just games. I just want to see what some of these teams look like. And and this is going to be the first look we're going to get. Look at, it again, the Houston Rockets. This is going to be our first look at John Wall in two years. You know, like that's something worth looking at, you know, and see what he looks like. This is going to be interesting to see KD for the first time in, in, in a year and a half. Man. Like this is this is the stuff that I want to see. And this is the, these are the things I'm going to watch. And that's and that's kind of what I'm going to be locked in on. Seth, same. Uh, um. So two things. One is um, we're sort of by necessity going to get a little more clarity on certain health situations um, for uh, good reasons, I suppose. Like 
there's, there's, you know, we, we just don't know certain things about, you know, pandemic related things about teams. And then there will be players not in uniform, not on the bench, and we can surmise what we surmise from that. So that's going to be informational. And then, um, you know, living in Milwaukee, um, the next 10 days are um, something's happening or not. And, you know, everyone's paying attention to that. So, yeah. Well, you won't say it, but I will. I'm watching Giannis and just hoping that he signs this extension because for per, for personal reasons, I don't want to sit and talk about Giannis's free oh, agency God. all year. No. And I just think it's so much more interesting for the league if he stays. It's better for in the Milwaukee. League. It's not it's even so it's, much better. It's just better for everybody. Also, also better for me. Yeah, well, and better for me because I don't have to spend half of all of our podcasts not talking. If he, if, if he you can talk by now, it's been a year. It's been a year. I don't want to. I don't want to. Yeah, see, all right, that's the problem. You gotta, man, just no, don't have friends. I was letting it fly within months after getting let go with the Clippers. Come on, man. So, so, all right, so that's what that's what we're all looking forward to. I, I'm hoping that 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 extension gets signed really, really soon. Um, but. Preseason games are here, and before you know it, we got regular season basketball. We're 11 days away from regular season basketball as you listen to this podcast. So uh, we'll be doing uh, all the previews that you expect and then uh, probably doing a big Christmas show, I think. I think it, the stars align for a Christmas episode of Nerdist She Wrote. We'll be back next <laughs> week out the egg where, <laughs> for a nice little preview with Mo and Seth and myself. And uh, don't forget, go sign up. Go to theathletic.com slash NBA show. Buy one, gift one right now. Buy one for yourself, gift one to somebody else. Go over there and check that out. We'll be back next week on The Athletic NBA Show.